Welcome to the Arts and Antique Radio Show, where your host, nationally recognized certified appraiser Elizabeth Stewart, Santa Barbara's treasure sleuth, will help you put a value on the treasures in your own home. Every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains pennies from heaven? So let's find out. How valuable is it? Hello, 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 Santa Barbara. It's your Chantress of Everything Valuable and Beautiful, Elizabeth Stewart. Uh, and Richard, I've got a show today about um, wrapping up the last year and launching into the new year, 2024. Uh, and I think the, one of the most important things in the art world that has happened is that uh, thousands of works that were copyrighted in 1928, entered the public domain on January 1st, 2024. Wow. I, oh, by the way, yeah. uh, you want to go into 2024? I don't want to go. Um, last year's calendar <laughs> went up in smoke in September because we were moving so fast. And here we are. It's already the 5th of January in the new year, Elizabeth. Good grief. All right. So talk to us about some of these uh artworks and so forth. And by the way, does this um, include maybe even, uh, I don't know, uh, do you copyright musical scores and things of that nature? Or is it just like uh, art right. that goes on yes. the wall or the table and so forth? Maybe define that. No, no, it's it's works of it's work, works of culture, works of art, works of art of all kinds. Mm. Um, and so what happens is it's the stages of copyright. And so now what happens is, you know, make, let's take, let's take, for example, an icon. Let's take Mickey Mouse. Ah, yes. And Mickey Mouse, yeah, Mickey Mouse is also trending in memes and not all of them pleasant. So <laughs> Disney's Mouse and other works that were copyrighted in 1929 entered the public domain. What does that mean? Well, the public domain means that it's uh, ideally a character image that has been launched into the public domain from the area of copyright it, that um, public domain character is now a jumping off point to further creative expression and elaboration. It provides, let's say in the case of Mickey, Mickey Mouse, um, it provides someone who's creative to work with that character to use the inspiration and raw material of that character to create something new. And now, this has got good and bad sides, Richard, basically. As, as everything because, does. Yeah, because Mickey Mouse and other um, works that were copyrighted in 1929, the mouse can now say and do any number of unpleasant, horrible, snarky things. And, of course, social media is awash with such things as a killer version of Steamboat Willie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like we said, that's not the uh, that's not what public domain was meant to to be. It wasn't meant to be the starting off point for horrible things. It was meant to be a starting off point for creativity. Now you might say, well, okay, but it's all the same. Who, who is the judge of what's horrible, what's not? Um, so let's see. It, there's other, for, for example, other stories, for example, like A.A. A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh um, last year. 
it can now also was was also we saw uh, depicted doing and saying any number of horrible things. Um, it's you know it's it's a, it's an interesting thing that you bring up. Is it all? Is it all our artworks? Is it all forms of creativity? When when copyright is over, when the copyright period is over, then yes, you know it, the the work of art enters the public domain. And it, there's a fine line, a legal fine line, but this is a really interesting thing with Mickey Mouse because such he's so famous all over the world. And also the other fun thing about this particular story is that Disney fought tooth and nail to expand the legalities around public domain in the case of Mickey. So let's um talk a little bit about uh, some other really interesting features in, in the art world. Um, who else has entered the public domain, Richard? Works by M.C. Escher. Uh, Escher is the famous artist for like the, 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 the lights and the darks and the shapes and all of a sudden they create something like a flock of birds. I'm thinking of that in particular. Works by Andre Breton entered the public domain. It's it's a it's quite fascinating what people can do with those images. Already people are doing kind of Escher-esque knockoffs. And uh, like you say, we're only five days into the new year. But yeah, um, can we talk a little bit about uh, other artworks that have entered the public domain? There's a bounty of art-related material. Um, so let's talk a little bit about surrealism because we mentioned Andre Breton. This is an author whose novel Nadja has entered the public domain. M.C. Escher, his print The Tower of, ba of Babel, so um, also joined the public domain. Francis Picabia, a, a really interesting artist from uh, the 20, 1920s as, as well, uh, an abstract artist. George O'Keefe has entered the public domain. Edward Hopper, Hopper's Nighthawks, and there's been a number of AI takeoffs. We talk about public domain. Well, how much is AI going to become involved with the reshaping some of these images? Well, the case of Edward Hopper, quite a bit. There's been a lot of AI generated new Nighthawks, for example. That's the image of those people in the corner uh, diner in the middle of the night. Very evocative. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some other fun stuff. Crime blotter, Pennsylvania city of Scranton is not a destination for many art lovers, but it's a site of a significant art heist that took place in 2025. Now, why that matters today is because four pleaded guilty to the crime in 2023 returning uh, works by Andy Warhol, Jackson Pollock, et cetera, et cetera. And then as of uh, last week, a, a gentleman came up and pleaded guilty, surrendering himself and returning more works of art, which is really interesting because they are a group of thieves that have targeted various smaller museums and manor houses um, architecturally significant places that are open to the public in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. 
um, not the big museums, but the small ones. Um, so that's very interesting. They've been on the run for almost 20 years for various art thefts uh, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. How cool is <laughs> So I'm curious, if someone was to steal something that was um, obviously prior to that 1920s date uh, or year, uh, does that mean that uh, they can duplicate it uh, without fear of uh, copyright infringement? Because <laughs> so, you so know people doing it, that all the time. Yeah, it, so it, it, once it enters the public domain, it can be used to be a part of a new creation. But it can't, in my understanding, it can't be used to make a total duplicate. So you, you can't know, forge. Um, you cannot forge it. You can't create. Uh, you're a, right. So it's yeah. got to be a jumping off point for a new creation. So. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a total copy of what people were looking at okay. um, in the original, but it would be you know it would be a a a, a, re, a rethink, a re-elaboration, yeah. a reinvention, something like this. Because right. you know about um, the uh, the one guy, the one artist, and and again, these people are very talented and in their own right. Uh, who um, they did a sixty minutes piece on him, I think, where he uh, basically got caught. Uh, basically uh, forging or duplicating uh, various uh, various incredible works of art. And uh, uh, now, uh, I guess he now helps them to find, helps the art world to find forgeries. It's very interesting. Uh, we uh, need to take a short little break here on this very first program for you here in 2024. So if you want to kind of give us a clue as to what we're going to look at in the next segment. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about who, where certain people were in the art world when New Year's Eve struck. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Art World Insider's predictions for 2024 in the art and collectible arena. Some of the great museum directors have weighed in on what the world's going to look like. And then we're going to talk a little bit about those folks and um, some really interesting movements in the the, the world of, of museums, both here and in Europe. All right. Well, we'll go to break and we'll be back. Back. It's Elizabeth Stewart. This is the first program for me of 2024, and I'm talking a little bit about some of the uh, expert opinions about what's going to happen in the art world coming up. And um, one of the Art World Insider's predictions for 2024, uh, now that the Venice Biennale returns this spring and there's a full slate of art fairs, um, the Endeavor owned Freeze and the M at MCH Group, which owns Art Basel. Uh, they're going to have an incredible pack calendar for 2024. And, you know, all this um, seclusion and the stopping of these fairs during the pandemic, that is all over and it's just all exploding. Um, so there's a lot of really amazing things happening at, at some, some of the auction houses. Noted Christie's and Sotheby's and Phillips is an auction house that may not be around after this year uh, because of the domination of the big auction houses from uh, Christie's and Sotheby's. Um, 
Let's talk a little bit about some of the art, the big, big, big names in the art world, what they're saying is going to go on this, this uh, 2024. Well, the urgency to own art will not feel as quite as urgent, apparently, says our Alan Schwartzman, who is an art advisor in New York. Um, he's he's going to expect a lot of volatility in the art market. You know, um, Christie's and Sotheby's, uh, we talked a little bit about the kind of kind of numbers that they were generating. The total income that uh, Christie's and Sotheby's generated this year is $14.2 billion with a B. Um, and uh, Schwartzman is saying that uh, it, 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 this will not continue. Um, it, new businesses should be created to develop a sustainable secondary market. I agree with that. And what he means by that is the works of art that are not, you know, masterpieces, where do they go to be sold? A lot of the um, auction houses are, are refusing the lesser value art right now because why Why would they? If they can sell something that's hugely valuable, why would they work on something smaller? Um, so let's see, who else is weighing in on this? 2023 saw the art market correction and we had expected for years, says Alex Glauber, art advisor and president of the Association of Art Advisors. He says that there's greater cause for optimism in 2024 because the Federal Reserve has indicated it will cut rates at least once a year and likely more. Can, um, can you explain the connection between uh, that last element and how that impacts this whole thing on what do people finance their their purchases their auction purchases i thought you had to have cash well first of all you don't always have to have cash you can finance auction person purchases yes and you could go in with the consortium of other buyers these are fairly new things in the auction world those factors i'm mentioning but when so when interest rates are are high People tend not to buy art because they're they're involved in other investments. For example, you know they may they may be looking at a, a new property, for example, and if the interest rates are high, they cut back typically on stuff that isn't necessary. You know, art is not necessary. You can't eat it. You can't sleep on it. So basically, the art gets cut back when the interest rates get high. So this particular advisor is saying. Um, there's cause for optimism in 2024 as far as collectors are concerned because the Federal Reserve has indicated it'll cut rates once a year um, and at least once a year. So that's, you know, when, when it, the, the tide rises, what do they say, Richard? The tide floats all boats. So if the interest rates are lower, it seems like there's more money to go around. And so therefore people do buy luxury items like art, for example. Um, so much of the primary art market, for example, uh, in the Sotheby's, the Christie's, the high-end galleries, for example, uh, that has become beholden to these art fairs. And the art fairs, if you have never been, um, an art fair is so unusual, so vibrant. And uh, we're talking, for example, Art Basel in Miami. Uh, it's just, I've been a couple of times, it's just amazing. You know, the, the clothes that you see, the works of art that you see, the celebrities that show up, the, 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 the 
purchasing power of, of uh, the art world, it's a little bit crazy and obscene, really, but it's amazing to see. And the art fairs are becoming an important part of the of the art market. Even the low-level art fairs, you know, the fairs, for example, all over the world where people have their own art, art association, for example, our Santa Barbara Art Association, the Goleta Valley Art Association, they do some incredible shows, maybe for art for $100 or less, and they do a really good job with that. And that, so these public events around art are becoming a really important part of the art world. Um, art then, at rock bottom prices. <laughs> you know, the, the, usually the works for less than $100, you know, they're smaller, they're not less complicated, but... This also fits a niche market. It fits the the starter and the beginner market, for example, and it also fits the more modest purchase uh, purchaser because you know, we, if you don't have the wall space, you don't need a six by six foot canvas. So um, you know, this is a this is a, a real trend, and we're going to see that continuing. And what various experts are saying is. Let's think of more ways that we that we can create events around art, because the polarization between the gallery world and the auction world is really strong today, and it puts a lot of pressure on galleries already operating on tight margins. So, I think that there's going to be real opportunities for creative thinking about how an art club or a gallery or even a, a, a dealer, how a person can in, in, encourage people to join in an event at the gallery, for example, or at the sales room. Um, then we have a lot of the strife that the world's going through, which also affects the art market in general, the geopolitical unrest, the forthcoming presidential election, cultural diversity, Visions that are so uh, so so incredible today. There's probably going to be a lot of um, consolidation between what the art world is is doing as far as selling art and the event around art. That's what what a lot of people are saying about 2024. Um, so let's see. The market will continue to discover artists from. Uh, historically marginalized or underrepresented groups. They're going to give them new exhibition platforms and new market momentum, new shows, new, like I said, new events. Um, you're going to hear a lot of, uh, lot of interest in female artists, indigenous artists, um, new, new mediums, for example, weavers and sculptors. Uh, are going to become really important in the art market. The chairman of Sotheby's says in 2022, we're gonna see continued price separation as we were talking about between the best and the rest when it comes to the quality of the work. And also the sales points, this price points, we're gonna see a demand for greater range of artists, um, Chicano artists in particular, he predicts, Women artists will continue to move to the top end. And um, he mentions that sales of female contemporary artists are going to be really important in the art world, for example. Uh, and where is the action going to 
take place? Well, uh, president of Pace Gallery, Mark Glimsher says that Japan is emerging as a important global art world hotspots. Now, um, can I ask you a question about that in that regard? Is it because of modern day Japanese artists or is it because of a lot of the, I'll use the term, ancient artwork that is, is, still, is still out there? Well, you bring up a really interesting point. What they're talking about, you're, you're thinking of in terms of geographical location determines what they're selling. And that used to be the case. So you'd have British art selling in London. You'd have American art selling in New York. You'd have Japanese art selling in Tokyo. This isn't the world now. The world is so uh, international. So when we say that Tokyo is a must-go destination for any kind of art, it's anything, any culture uh, could be represented very well because Tokyo's become an economic hotspot. And so, you know, we're not talking about just uh, Japanese art or just Asian art. In, indeed, absolutely not. We're talking about a global world hotspot uh, that Tokyo has is starting to become what New York is now. Mm and could, could well take over New York business, for example. Um, Richard's giving me a quick signal, we gotta go to break. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about um, what, if you're an artist in Santa Barbara, what to look forward to in 2024, according to the general economic predictions of these great uh, curators that we're talking about here. Um, it, will there be a, a room for the artist that is uh, for example, what we call an emerging artist, somebody who is not represented at the auction level or at the gallery level. Will there be room for that? I think absolutely and more so. And I'll give you my reasons when we get back from the break. Don't turn that dial back in a minute. We're looking at 2024 in the in the art world, the art market, what experts are saying, what people are going to look forward to and what people are going to be dreading. <laughs> Don't turn that dial. It's Elizabeth Stewart. We're talking about the um, art world and what the artists, our local artists, for example, can look forward to uh, based on some of the predictions by the great experts in the art world, president of, uh, and CEO of Sotheby's, for example, some of the great curators of, of great museums. And Richard, you asked a really interesting thing about a, a hot spot. So, you know, we were talking about Tokyo as being the next New York as far as the art world is concerned. Uh, all the activity that's happening and starting to happen there. And we also talked a little bit about the importance of the piggyback event. So an art fair, uh, uh, selling of art, or less, an event around art, a, a lecture in a, in a gallery, uh, you know, things that are happening in our museum is so so vital in, 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 in making the public welcome in various events around the museum around the art world. And now some of the great museums of the world are getting into this in terms of food. <laughs> and I think this is food? a really cool movement. Yeah. So wow. Let's let's talk about the Whitney, the Whitney in New York, Whitney Museum. They purchased um a, a, a 
a restaurant that was kind of close to them. Uh, it was Danny Meyer's Untitled was the name of the restaurant. They have renamed it the Frenchette Bakery, and uh, they are they're serving food. I mean, the museum is now involved and uh, owns a restaurant. Um, and some, uh, if you go to the to New York, for example, and you want to see what's on at the museum, mm -hmm. you can actually treat yourself to some warm black radish vichyssoise, a flambe mm -hmm. a tart flambe, a mushroom and taglia. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Tag tag taggio pizza. Mm -hmm. Roast beef sandwiches, omelets, rotisserie chicken salad, duck confit with farro, etc. The menu is fantastic. And this is wow. uh, something that the museums are starting to think about. Okay, let's uh, let's do food as an art form, too. Now, I, I, I would that's... think that uh, they're going to do whatever is necessary to make sure that... The artwork is well protected because uh, you, you, you've got food. And what if somebody spills or throws food and get a food fight? <laughs> well, see, the, in the case of the Whitney, they bought a, a restaurant that was very close in their neighborhood. So it's a separate location from oh, the actual gallery. Okay. But, but my point is that museums are thinking of outside. Indeed, our, our San Barbara Museum of Art has done that consistently through the years thinking outside the box of what it means to show art to the public. How do you involve the public in, in many ways? I want to switch gears, Richard, because some of the um, some of the resolutions, you know, we have New Year's resolutions. Some of the resolutions I was hearing from my friends in the art world in Santa Barbara uh, revolved around kind of a sweet regret that we are so out of the pandemic, that, that that time for seclusion and thought and um, self-reflection and self-care that we had the opportunity to do, albeit it wasn't all that much fun for some of us, but for some artists in our community, the frenetic re-entry re of the world is a little bit of a problem. And I'm, I'm hearing that. I wonder if... if um, if you feel the same sometimes, you know, because I know you, you're an author and you are a creative person. Uh, a lot of people have, go, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. A lot of people have said to me, I want to know now that we're back in this fast paced uh, world again, uh, how, what are some clues? What are some keys to overcoming creative block? Hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. And so I thought I'd ask a few artists around town to tell me how they overcome creative block. What do you do, Richard? How do you overcome when you feel stymied? Um, I would say that I find something else, so to speak, something else to do uh, to take my mind um I, I just, I just, uh, uh, I think I, I take a pause if I get stuck somewhere, and I, and that happens. It, it really does. It's like that lightning bolt hitting the top of the Empire State Building is missing. <laughs> it, 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 it's not on target. And uh, as you've described, uh, creativity, and um, yeah, I just, 
I find something else to do. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, I'll put it this way. It's kind of like the equivalent of, I walked into this room, but I can't remember what it was I came in here for. Okay, so what's next on my list? And then right. it'll come back to me and I'll go back into them. Oh, that's right. I was looking for this. Right. So um, the, one of the most frustrating struggles of the creative life in general is uh, not is no, not knowing what to do when things are just not clicking. And, and so here's some suggestions. Um, there's a, a deck of cards called Oblique Strategies. It's oracle cards that are meant to guide you through creative ruts. Uh, the prompts are poetic. Like, for example, you'll turn over a card. And they, these cards really exist. And, and an artist friend of mine swears by them. These uh, prompts are poetic, like repetition is a form of change. Or one card might say, ask your body. Or one card may say, when, when is it? When is it? When is it? Uh, it's it's um, uh, a deck of cards, a, a really helpful bunch of sayings. One says, go to an extreme, move back to a more comfortable place. Well, when my artist friend found this card, uh, uh, randomly chosen from the deck called Oblique Strategies, she went to the studio and started to create a very large painting. And then when she struggled with that, she felt really comfortable about getting back to the painting she was working on, which was much smaller. So it's, 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 a, it's a deck of clues, of cards, inspiration in, uh, in, in, in sort of strategic, uh, po poetic ways. This oblique strategies is, is one, one particular artist. Um, another artist said to me, I try to go as far away as possible, literally, geographically, from where I am when I'm in that rut. And I try to throw myself into the most unpredictable environment. Um, and, and so this particular artist is a real hiker. And she says she loves to go to the most rugged terrain possible and really get into the natural processes of Earth. And when she feels that creative block, she puts herself into the actual process of how the earth creates and gets through chaos. I think that's genius. Um, another artist friend of mine says, well, about a creative block. If I'm feeling a creative block, I take a day off, I stay home. Um, sometimes I get stuck, I get depressed from painting, for example, from writing, from any kind of creative endeavor. Uh, I well, I I look at old master paintings, and I stay at home, and I stay and look at a, a wonderful movie or a book. I get outside of my head. Um, another artist said to me, "We're talking about resolutions. I make a New Year's resolution to approach being stuck or having an artist block with." A couple of clues. Um, this is an interesting question because this friend of mine said to me, look, I never feel stuck because doubt drives my work. Um, stuck implies that you know where it is you want to go, 
and you've been temporary waylaid. But I use that time to get into the new discoveries around creativity. What maybe what words may say, what uh, what a new medium might say. Um, you know, I, I, I never really think, well, okay, that's it. I know I, I want to direct the ship because the ship is directing me. And so I don't have that depression and frustration around creative block. I think that's also another kind of genius thought process. A lot of it is getting outside of your own head, I think. Um, adversity is wealth, for example, he said. Um, you don't need to get rid of the feeling of, uh, you know, you're, you're struggling with the, with being uh, a creative person, a creative individual. It, 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 it's one of the sources of energy is that, okay, come on, can you get through this? And yes, you, you will. Um, let's see, I've got another quote from another friend of mine. Uh, when I feel stuck, I have a very small circle of close friends I talk to. And I work through a project with them. I use them as sounding boards for my writing, for example. Um, and I make a, 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 um, a pact with them that if I if I can speak to them uh, and they're bouncing around with me about an idea, I make myself available to help them. Um, what kind of questions do I ask my friends? this circle of friends that are also creative individuals. Well, I ask them, be honest with me. I reach out and I ask questions like, does this make sense? Is this concept getting across? Um, how can I improve this work? For example, a particular piece of work. How do I improve? Um, and, and sometimes what they're saying is so opposite of what I'm feeling. I know my direction, for example. Um, you know, Many people that are creative individuals, it's been my experience, Richard, that they they need to hear, they need to see. And instead of being at work, for example, writing or creating or painting or sculpting or weaving or drawing, etc., one friend of mine says, I just go out and look. I sit. Um, I sit and, and I, maybe I sit in the gallery, for example, or, or I, I take a hike or, um, I go see other art. Um, it, 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 it's, it's better than sitting in the studio and thinking, why can't I create today? Go out and see other folks work. And, um, Maybe you become inspired. Maybe you become so depressed that they're working and you're not. But the point is, get outside of yourself. Um, sometimes you get hit by divine inspiration. It becomes very straightforward. And sometimes you know what you're doing. And um, and and you and this is part of the creative endeavor, as you're saying, that the lightning strike. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the then then once the lightning say fizzles out. What do you do? Um, well, you take and you get into the actual process is what uh, uh, advice from a, a, another friend of mine. When I feel stuck, I also treat myself to my favorite food is <laughs> another comment I got. Uh, I treat myself to a favorite type of food. 
And that's my ritual. When I taste that, I know that I'm on the path to stopping the stuckness. I love that. Richard, are you telling me we got to go to quick break? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. We'll go to quick break. Don't turn that down. We're talking about, well, two things. happening in the Happenings in the art world. Predictions for 2024. We're also talking about my poll of our local artists, community in, in Carpinteria, in Santa Barbara, in Goleta. And we're talking about some of the resolutions I was hearing um, through the various channels how I'm going to create in 2024. From my local artist friends, a lot of the resolutions revolved around getting unstuck and um, just discussing with you some of the quotes that I gathered this past week about some of the resolutions I heard, how to how to approach unstuckedness, if there's a word like that. Don't turn that down, back in a minute. Welcome back. It's Elizabeth Stewart. And we're talking about some of the interesting resolutions, uh, New Year's resolutions that I was hearing uh, from my artist friends, visual artists, writers, creative people all through Santa Barbara and Goleta and Carpinteria. Um, you know, I've been doing this show about 15 years now, and I've got a great network of artists and performers and people who have, you know, authored books. I've got this wonderful network from this show. And I put out a call asking, what do you do when you are faced with what they call the artist block, creative block? Does it even exist for you? And what's the remedy for that? What do you do? And what would your resolution be about that for this coming year? So another comment from another friend of mine said, I give myself a break. I watch TV. <laughs> I read. Um, if I'm prepping for a show, for example, I'm a painter um, and, and it feels really heavy, I stop. Um, I, I, I take a break from thinking about it. Um, you know, read a book. Uh, read a book where somebody's actually soothing themselves um, in, in a way that you're trying to do. You know, maybe you want to read in this way to kind of significantly, you're speaking to a friend uh, by reading this way. Uh, and, and of course, reach out to friends, for example, is another, another really important clue. Um, when I feel stuck, I make circles. I close my eyes, says another friend of mine. And as slowly as I can, I make circles I, with ink. Circles after circles. Um... You know, that's really interesting that this friend just makes circles. And it's a a, um, a practice called Enso in Zen Buddhism. I don't think she knows this, but perhaps it's these circles made over and over, over and over. What happens with these circles is that she ends up not looking at the drawing because her hand is automatically making these circles. I leave notes below each circle that I like. And I 
kind of play a game with it. Um, you know, this is a great remedy. The other, another friend of mine says, I garden. I go out and get my hands dirty. Um, and I don't spend a lot of time out in the garden. I just get my hands dirty. Um, and I, I look at, I look at, you know, the world through my, through my garden. All of a sudden I'm seeing differently. That's some of the ideas that some of my creative friends have brought to me about New Year's resolutions regarding creative block. We've never really talked about that on the show, but it, it exists for many people. Um, and those are some clues. Now, I'd like to get back to a couple of stories in the art world. Um, I think that we're going to see some real influence from the females, female artists of the world. I think that with wars and unhoused people, um, the various reproductive rights curtailed, um, some of the uh, 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 some of the upcoming elections happening, where females are are very in touch with what's happening in 2024. I think that the female the, the this will be the year of the female artist. I also think it's going to be a year where there's more equity for artists of color and native artists. Um, when you say, well, okay, Elizabeth, well, what do you mean equity for female artists? Well, only 11% of all museum acquisitions in 2022 and 23 were, sa were, sa were sa sales by female artists. It's not a lot. 11%. Um, so if your museum is purchasing, are they purchasing works by female artists? No, 11% of the time, yes, maybe. But maybe this trend will continue and the market will continue to be interested in female artists. We're seeing a lot of growth uh, in, in acquisition of female artists in private collections. Um, and I think that's going to be real interesting to follow. Um, there's going to be continued interest in artists of color and indigenous artists, I predict. And I think that we've got, for example, indications that indigenous art is going to be a real interesting topic. When we look at, for example, a show this past year called The Land Carries Our Ancestors at the National Gallery of Art. And then another Native artist, female Jane Quick to see Smith at the Whitney Museum, for example. These are bellwethers, uh, trends happening. Also, I think we're going to see a lot of people that don't stick with one area of creativity. I think we're going to see artists that work across the board and do things like, for example, paint and draw and sculpt and weave, for example, you know, not just focusing on one particular area. And likewise, I think we're going to see collectors collecting across the board and not just sticking with one artist or one type of medium, for example. Um, I only collect, for example, bronze sculptures. No, I think we're going to see people that are going to be what we call cross-category collecting. I think they're going to start I think collectors are going to start looking at the uh, very interesting world of 
how one object can speak to another object. And uh, they're going to build um, maybe like we used to call it Warner cabinet. It's a it's a cabinet of curiosities. And that goes back to the 17th century where people are kind of piggybacking one thing on another, one object on another, and the objects are going to speak to each other. I think we're going to see uh, also an international, uh, we, we're talking about Tokyo being a great area for economic uh, art endeavors. I think we're going to see a lot of interest in Hong Kong and Tokyo, and I think we're going to see Asian art and music and cinema continue its momentum. And I think we're going to see a, a positioning of the Chinese market in the global market as well. I really think that's going to be um, important. I think the framing of international being synonymous with European and American will be different in this coming year. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. It's just a little bit overview of what the experts are saying about the art market coming up in 2024, and also what local artists are saying about how they want to create in 2024. And I think it'll be a great year for creativity in general, because, you know, like we said, where there's adversity, there's opportunity. <laughs> Thanks, Richard.